One of the things we do uh, every year at the beginning of the year as we begin to break down uh, and head into the new year, we revisit who we are as a church. We revisit our vision, our purpose, our mission, uh, all those good things. We try to do that every six months, so we'll do this again coming up uh, in the summer uh, so we don't forget who we are lest we drift from it, right? And so, uh, so that's, that's our mission for today and, and the next few weeks. Uh, today particularly, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about radical kids. We're talking about the biblical foundation for radical kids and why we do children's ministry the way we do it. Um, and don't hear this. Now, if, don't hear this as we're just going flat out gonna do topical stuff. We're gonna remember the biblical reason why we do what we do, right? Um, there are some things when we started Three Rivers Community Church 13 years ago nearly, um, some things that we had in place, some presuppositions, some things that matter. By the way, FYI, if you're following this on the blog, the notes, they're there, but formatting challenges again. So you're going to see one, two, three, one, 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 two, three, one, one, when it should be like indented and all that stuff. But the formatting from Word didn't go to WordPress and made me angry. And so I got in the flesh this morning and, and so sinning before I came to preach to you and so all because of a blog. But they're there. You can see them. They won't be numbered properly, not because I can't count, but because the formatting between Word and WordPress, well, yeah, whatever. So anyway, it's there. Everything I have here, you have available to you. MitchJolly.wordpress.com. And I think they threw that up there on the little, little screen beforehand so you can type it in and look at it if you're savvy on your mobile device. Um, here's how we started. We started with some presuppositions in place. The first one is, is something my missions professor taught me in graduate school, Dr. Mike Barnett. And if you did perspectives with us several years ago, you got to meet Dr. Barnett. Uh, and it's this phrase. It's in the manual. It's in the manual. What we do, we take from Scripture. The Bible is our manual. The Scriptures dictate mission strategy, ministry strategy. Jesus taught us what to do, how to do it. It's in the manual. Number two, we came at children's ministry from a family equipping model, not a family-based model that sees youth ministers and children's ministers as irrelevant. We just need our family, our moms and dads. We don't do that. Nor the programmatic ministry model where we have a fully age-graded staff by church members and professional people ministry, but a family equipping model where we expect parents to be involved, where we're not just using you as slave labor, but the labor is intended to equip you to do this at home so that when you walk out of here, the ministry to your children didn't stop, right? And so a family equipping model. Number three, parental involvement, which is kind of connected to number two, that the ministry functions on parental involvement, that it isn't a service to be taken advantage of as much as it is a ministry to be engaged in. It requires responsibility, right? The kingdom requires us to be engaged. It's not passive. It's active. And we're engaged actively in the ministry. And, and this presupposition that I hold now. This is a book you need to read, and, and uh, it's, it's actually uh, in the notes, so if you can't see the title, nor write it down quickly enough, you can go back and look at it. It's called Trained in the Fear of God by Randy Stinson and Timothy Paul Jones. Incredible book. You need to read it, uh, and it'll give you some good glimpses into how we come at doing children's ministry. With that in mind, let's look at some biblical truths. Uh, let's look at some biblical truths that help us to see why we do children's ministry the way we do it, um, and how it fits into the vision of our church, which for the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. Again, it's in the manual. This isn't just uh, 
This isn't just here's who we are. This is here's what God says. And here's how we seek to work this out as followers of Jesus Christ manifest in the local church. All right. And so this is going to be a little bit of a worldview challenge, perhaps, for you as we revisit some of this. As we look into the text and see what the text has to say about children and moms and dads and adults and our roles together. Um, Genesis 1.26, first biblical truth. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Having children to fill the earth and subdue it is part of the creation mandate. Hear that. Having children to fill the earth and subdue it is part of the creation mandate. Take a look at Genesis 1, 26 to 28. We're going to do a lot of Bible flipping today. And you're going to be looking at lots of texts. And I want you to see and taste and know that God has a purpose in children. And they're not idols. They're not for parents to be fulfilled with. Let that, let that land on you for a moment. Children are not a source of fulfillment for parents. Therefore, if God has not graced you with children, you lack no fulfillment. Your fulfillment is in Christ. Your identity is in Jesus. Children are not our idols. They are not to be bowed down to, catered to, spent upon all the resources of God's kingdom. They are arrows and a quiver to be shot to extend the kingdom. Okay? And they're part of the creation mandate. Genesis 1, 26-28. Then God said, now this is pre-fall. Hear this. This is not post-fall. So, this work is pre-fall. It's part of the good order of creation. God's purpose in humanity before the fall and will be when kingdom is fully established one day. Hear this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. There's our word, dominion, domains. We talk about domains of society in a few weeks. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens. And over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God, so, so. In other words, the creation of man is on the heels of God's purpose of creating man to fill the earth, have dominion and subdue it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Having children to fill the earth and subdue it is part of the creation mandate. So children are arrows in our quiver to do God's purpose of filling the earth with image bearers to have dominion over the earth. You hear that? Parents, children are to fill the earth and subdue it, not satisfy you. They're arrows in your quiver to do kingdom work. And check this out. God is creator and he made man in his image. Part of image bearing, part of image bearing is creating. Now, we as image bearers don't create from nothing. Only God creates from nothing. But we are then given the role of creating from something other things. Builders do this all the time. They take raw lumber and build cool things with it. It was not. Now it is because they created it. The gift of creativity is part of image bearing. Having children is an image bearing thing. Having children and sending them is an image bearing thing. 
Why? Are they to stay at home, make us happy, show up all the time, fulfill our lives? No, they are to be sent throughout the earth to subdue it. Having children and sending them to fill all domains and bring those domains under the rule of Jesus through the gospel of the kingdom is at the micro level what the church is to be doing in equipping and sending its people. You hear that? In other words, what happens in the family unit is to be the microscopic work that happens on the church scale. Why? Because the church is comprised of families. So if the family's job is to multiply, fill the earth and subdue it by sending those arrows into unreached places, then all those families gathered together are to have the mission of God to take those arrows and send them where? To subdue the earth and fill it. Making sense? Now, can you see the beginnings of thinking through children's ministry? If that's the purpose then that begins to shape what you do and how you do it, don't you think? Absolutely. Therefore, partnering with parents to help them equip and send their children is what we are trying to do, what we've been trying to do, and what we're going to continue to do. However, point number two, from Romans 5, 12 and following, due to the fall, Genesis chapter 3, we don't get far into Genesis and we read about The fall, due to the fall, our created image bearers are born broken in soul and body. They're dead to God and they will die physically one day. Because of the fall, the day you eat of it, you will die. You will die. All things broke. The dirt broke. The air broke. Trees broke. Fish broke. Deer broke. Elephants broke. Humans broke. All things were infected with the cancer of sin and they will die physically. Spiritually, they are separated from God and they are dead toward God. There's no relation to God. There's no relationship with God. Children aren't born knowing Jesus. There's no such thing as always have been Christian. You're born dead toward God. You're on the side of Satan and you're dead in your transgressions and sins until God in His grace with the good news of His kingdom awakens and regenerates and brings to life, gives faith so that they may believe and be saved. So because of the fall, our image bearers are born broken. The image of God is broken in them. Therefore, overcoming the fall requires a little bit of ongoing training. Right? I think this through for a second. If growing a fruit tree requires work, how much more growing arrows to be shot into the very uttermost reaches of the earth to subdue it for the sake of the kingdom? You think that through for a second. Anybody grow fruit trees? Anybody have fruit trees in your yard? Right? Do they need water? We've got more than enough water now, right? But do they require some effort? Do they require some pruning? Do they require some cutting? Do they require some harvesting? Yes, they require work, don't they? Likewise, overcoming the fall in our children is not a passive activity. It is an ongoing, active duty that's needed at the family level and the church level. The family must be engaged in the work. The church must be engaged in the work. In other words, we actually have to do something to repair the damage of the fall. Discipling 
Our children is full-time work. It's not part-time. It's not if you want to. It is it must be done. Ben produced this really cool thing. If you dropped your kids off in Radical Kids today, you probably got one. Uh, And it's a phenomenal little tool here. It's a 12-month prayer guide for your children. They're going to have it in the baby room over here. And by the way, the sermon is piped in by video. If you need to take your kids, you got video over here. You can hear it. You can participate. You can hear everything, not miss anything. But while they have those babies, they're praying this over there. And so, for, for instance, for the month of January, each week there's a topic to pray for that week for your children. Parents, do this. Pray that week one prayer over your children all week, first week in January. There's a week for every week of the year on here. It is an active engagement. When you lay them down to sleep at night, pray for them. Do not sin against your children by failing to lay them down under the covering of prayer at night. Pray this for them. Right? Because it is a full-time task to undo the damage the fall created. Point number three found in 2 Corinthians 5, 14-20. You may flip there if you got your Bible, 2 Corinthians 14 to 20. I want you to hear this very clearly. There are no perfect parents in this room. Do not gain your parenting tips from Facebook. And do not gain your parenting tips from those who think they're superior super parents and only do these certain things and everybody else is less than. That's not how you parent. You parent with the manual. You hear that? Do not judge yourself according to the other mamas on Facebook. If that causes stress in your heart, mama, delete your stinking Facebook. It's not needed for life. Promise you will survive. Eat three squares a day. Get a little exercise. You'll be alright. You might be better off emotionally. Right? So, hear this. We're not asking for perfection and don't judge that based on what you hear other mamas and daddies say. Put your nose in the manual and obey it. But it's work. It's work. And we want to help you do that. That's why we do Radical Kids. It's to give you tools. That's why we preach from the Bible and disciple the way we do. To give you tools to help bring the fall back into line to the proclamation of the kingdom. So, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 20. Due to Jesus' coming, dying, and resurrection, the curse has been broken, and image bearers can be reconciled back to God. In other words, our our children are broken, but they can be repaired. There is a repairing work that can be done and needs to start early in the lives of our little ones. Just lest you, lest you think that in utero, children aren't learning. Gabriel Jolly's 14 years old, has been to more third day concerts in utero than many of you have ever. And so therefore, when this little fellow was one month old, the Come Together CD, and you, if you don't even know who Third Day is, you're like, I don't know who that is. You need to repent and go buy that album. It's good. Third Day, Marietta, Georgia. Good Southern rock feel. Uh, they're quality, man. 
So when third day came on, this little crying cat would out. I mean, hard. Third day, rolling, man. Conspiracy Five. If you got Conspiracy Five, that's a hard album, and it's and he I means hard music. You think he'd be all amped? He'd, he's out. Why? Because it was comfort, man. This little fella in utero was soothed by Third Day, and you know what he's hearing in those lyrics? Gospel, gospel, gospel. Music doing its work. Here's my point: they're learning in utero. It's because they're image bearers. Make sense? So, here's the point. We start early. We start early. And we recognize that because of Jesus' coming, His dying, and His resurrection, the curse has been broken, and image bearers can be reconciled back to God. Listen to this. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all has died. And He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, regarding us no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us back to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What is taking place this morning back there is the ministry of reconciliation. That through the proclamation of the truths of God's Word, those little image bearers are being repaired at the very micro level, as they hear and recognize and know there is ministry taking place in their soul, but also from the one communicating and playing with them and loving them and being kind to them. There is repair work taking place. And so therefore we recognize that what's going on back there isn't just a duty to be sloughed off because you don't want to do it today. It is gospel engagement at a local level repairing the fall. How cool is that, right? So because of Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom, broken image bearers can be reconciled back to God. Our children's lives can be brought back under the rule of Jesus. And our children's lives brought back under the rule of Christ requires intentionality. Listen very carefully here. I wrote it, but I'm trying to say this. It requires intentionality in church attendance. Your children will do what you do before they do what you say. It's just a fact. I got three, and it's scary. What they say and what they do looks an awful lot like what I say and do, not what I've told them to do. And here's the deal. If we spend more time away from the community of the kingdom, let us not fret when they're teenagers and don't want to be part of the community of the kingdom. Because it hasn't been set as a standard, nor as an expectation. We stayed home. We didn't make being there a priority. That was our travel day. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? I totally get it. Life happens. Things go on. And things happen. And stuff comes at us. And there's things to be seen and people to visit. I get all of that. I'm alive too. I have three boys. I'm a parent. I understand it. But I also understand they will catch more than what I say. And if the pointing of my life is in one direction, that will be the direction of their life. I see it already. And some of you guys have older kids, and you know that by experience, that the direction I pointed in, they walked in. Some of it is the unintentional habits of our living. It just is. Right? And so, discipling our children is a full-time job, and it requires intentionality in church attendance. If we're not here, don't expect them to want to be here when they're teenagers. It's just not habit. It's not built in. And by the way, not all habits are bad. Reading your Bible habitually, whether you got anything out of it or not, is not a bad habit. Sometimes it's not whether you get anything, it's whether or not you obey Jesus. And store that up in this microcomputer up here so that at some point in time, Holy Spirit brings it back to memory when you need it. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a bad habit to say, we going. Get your clothes on or catch a forearm. Get it on. You can do that with boys. Can't do that with little girls, right? You can, you can wrestle them. Put it on them. Choke them out. You're unconscious, but you're going. Right? Why? Because it's a habit you will thank me for later. Listen, this is one of the reasons we ain't flipping out about mamas. Mamas, you got your baby in here? That's fine. Babies cry, make noise. It's all good. We don't want you to feel like you have to, but if you want to, you can. Because being a mama and a daddy's hard with little ones. One of the time, things we pray for in the mornings when we gather at 8 as elders to pray for you is, Lord, these mamas and daddies, would you give them a good morning? Because we know it's like playing Satan to get here. I get it. And you ever, you ever notice going to school is easier than going to church on Sunday? Yeah. Why? Do you think there could be more in play than just getting here? You think there's a spiritual component to this day and being here? You think there are things in play that want to vie for our attention over the community of the kingdom of God where the work of the Holy Spirit is most concentrated? Yeah! Dang straight there is. There's a war going on. And the father of lies wants to build lies in the life of our children and tell them lies that there are other things that need their attention. And it requires intentionality, moms and dads. But it's hard. I get it. I live it every Sunday. And by the way, we don't get to... Just can I... I don't get to come with my wife to church. We come a cut. I'm here at 7.30. My wife has to get up and get three ready by herself and get them here on time while she's working in Radical Kids too. So I get that it's hard. But if that's not an intentional focus, and by the way, we've been doing this for years, 13 years. First Radical Kids we had at the Forum in downtown Rome, pulling stuff out of a box with wheels that wouldn't move. Required people rolling it, women rolling it down the hall to set it up and work it. You see what I'm saying? So in other words, be intentional. Be on purpose. There's some things that are more important. And I got a, this wouldn't show up on the blog. I tried to post it, but it wouldn't show up. I got a little graphic I'll share with you in just a minute about how our intentionality. We're intentional. It sometimes not intentional in the right direction. Okay? We're, by the way, everything's on purpose. It's just, what is it? You make decisions every day that are on purpose. 
Nobody's blindly walking through life, right? You didn't get up on you didn't get up today just accidentally. You had to roll your feet out, stand up, and walk. That was on purpose. Does that make sense? Intentionality has to be applied to discipling our kids. Intentionally engaging radical life groups where they interact with other people who love them and care for them and speak truth to them. This year, or two years ago, Gabriel had his manhood birthday where we launched him into manhood. And Nathan Hicks and Emmett Long spoke truth to him because they're two men who have been speaking into his life since before. Right? And so engaging the community where other believers speak into the life of your children and love on your children and get down at their little eye level and listen to them and love them so that that's all they know. That's all, that's all he knows is Emmett and Nathan. And Adam's been around since then, so that's just it's what we do. It's who they are. It's my men, right? It requires intentionality. Another point, Matthew 18, 1 to 6. Jesus loved children. And he taught that we must receive the kingdom like little children. Look at Matthew 18, 1 to 6. Jesus loved kids. In these instances, particularly here, something neat happens. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, the question is, who's greatest? Right? Because you understand, because this is, this is going to be, James and John is going to be like, we want to sit at your right hand and your left. You know, we want to be like generals in your kingdom. So you're the king and we're like your left and right hand man. And so mama came and asked you first. So we obviously get it, right? And so Jesus, they want to know who's great. And here's how Jesus answers greatness. Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst and said to them, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it will be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. That came out of the mouth of King Jesus, the one we say we follow. Jesus loved children. And he said, here's what the kingdom looks like. Here's greatness in my kingdom. The humility, trust, and wonder of a child. And you know what the fallen world does to us? There is no faith. That's brought into question with skepticism. There is no humility. It's be on top. Be the best. It's top down. Rule over. Ain't no wonder... Our wonder is gawking at idols of our own creating. And Jesus said, here's greatness in my kingdom. Be like this child. Their trust in me is without question. They sit at the lowest place and they love me and come to me. They stand in awe of me. Jesus loved Children, And here's the deal. He was teaching us something about what it's like to live in His kingdom, but also something about children. Which leads us to the next point. Children are God-given illustrations on how we are to follow Jesus. Trust Him, wonder at Him, and receive His rule. 
And in all three synoptic gospels, this story is told. Matthew 19, 13 to 15, Mark 10, 13 to 16, and Luke 18, 15. All three of the synoptics carry this same little story. Let's use Matthew since we're at Matthew. Matthew 19, 13 to 15. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. But notice what the punks do. The disciples rebuked the people. Get the kids out of here. This is Jesus. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Children are God-given illustrations on how to follow Jesus. Trust, wonder, and receive his rule. And by the way, the trust, wonder, and receive his rule is just me pulling out watching children what they do. Jesus didn't say trust, wonder. I'm just that's they wanted to come something. You ever notice children were attracted to Jesus? They loved Jesus. He picked up kids. Kids loved Jesus. They were in awe of him. You wanna know why? And they didn't know, even in their fallen state, knew the king was standing here and there was something effervescent about Jesus that just attracted them. There's this sense of trust and wonder and reception. Whatever you say, Jesus, yeah, I'm good, I'll do it. Just that, yeah, daddy, okay. Just unquestioned obedience. You ever notice that in your kids? We're at a certain point. <laughs> They're like, okay, daddy. You should play in the cul-de-sac. Just unquestioned, taking advantage of their childhood, hit the ball across the cul-de-sac, go get it, okay, run and get the ball, do it for two hours, just hitting the little wiffle ball across the cul-de-sac, watching their little feet run and get it. Unquestioned, just doing it, why? Because I said to. That's to be what it's like. That's why God says He is Father. Hey, Jolly, go here and do this. It shouldn't be, well, Lord, do you really want me to do that? And after all, I'm, I'm too important for that, and that might be dangerous. No, no. Okay, Father. Yeah, I got it. As a result of that, we're to value our children. And we gave you some ways to do this. Training them, training them at home and in the corporate body together. They need both, y'all. Other, these children need to see daddy's godliness and mama's godliness are matched by the godliness of other men and women in my fellowship. They do the same thing. Mr. Emmett, Mr. Nathan, Mr. Adam, they're, they're like dad. They say the same things dad says, so dad must be telling me the truth. They speak the same language dad speaks. Miss Jenny says the same things mama speaks. Huh. And what are they hearing? Consistency. Why? So they need it home, they need it here. We're to welcome children and nurture them into Christ. That's why they're always welcome in here. I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable bringing your kids to radical kids, bringing them in here. They're welcome. Well, hey, I promise you, you set them down in front of a television, they will hear a worldview and they will incorporate it. They will take on what you put in front of their eyes and ears. So, welcome them. Bring your babies. One of my favorite sounds when I'm up here preaching is when those little feet go shuffling down the hall to the bathroom. That cracks me up because I know the mess that's about to happen. You know, he's got to go to the bathroom. It's just a mess. You know, they're trying. They're working. It's just funny. 
Because you have little kids, and it's just funny little things. They do little feet stuffing down the hall, and you think little image bears going to the bathroom. I think that's funny. It's really funny. I think that's hilarious. Little image bears going to the bathroom. And I love to hear those feet going down the hall. At any given Sunday, do you know there's 70 kids back there? Little image bears being worked on, being repaired, being welcomed. And you know what? We're to learn how to follow Jesus by how they trust us to lead them. Last point, and then we're going to do some application that will be done pretty quickly. Jesus in these passages, the Matthew 18, the Matthew 19, the Mark 10, the Luke 18. In these passages, Jesus was living out His command. And I worded this intentionally. Jesus was living out His command... And teaching us to live out His command in Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. Remember, Jesus is the second person of Trinity. He's God. Without doing a full Christology here, Jesus' first advent is not His first time on this earth. Just got to keep that in mind. It's the first time He took on flesh and dwelt among us. But there's just all kinds of good Muslim evangelism. You can show them Trinity in Genesis where the Lord, when He's talking to Abraham at His tent in Genesis 18 and 19, the Lord called down fire from the Lord in heaven. Both Lord, like Yahweh, called down fire from Yahweh in heaven. And the second person of Trinity walking up there. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, but just go look at it. Because Jesus has shown up all over human history. Daniel, right? There's three men in the fire, but he's looking and going, there's four and one's the Son of God. Tracking, Right? Right? So Jesus gave us Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, because he's God, right? And so what Jesus is doing in these passages is teaching us by example how to live out the command he gave us in Deuteronomy 6. Right? So take a look at it. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today will be in your heart, be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That's right. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is to be saturation. And by the way, what are these statutes? You look back to chapter 5, and he gave us the ten. The ten basics of what it means to be the people of God. So Jesus in these passages is teaching us to live out His command that He's given us. That we're to diligently take these things and put them before our kids constantly. And by the way, just can I give you a strategy here? It doesn't have to look like sit down and do Bible study. This can be as natural as when you're out hunting. Ask worldview questions. What did you see when you heard that? What did you understand when you heard that statement? Know your Bible well enough to throw Scripture on them at given times and ask them questions about it. Because you know what? You've got to be a little tricky. They're broken. 
They can smell a Bible study coming a mile away and tune out on you. So you got to be slick. Be tricky. Sneak it in. Watch a good movie. And ask them, what, man, what'd that mean? I don't know. Well, man, that was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, crazy. Man, did you hear what he said? Yeah, I heard what he said. Is that right? I don't know. My favorite moments, my favorite moments is watching Iron Man. Remember, there's that point in Iron Man where, where, um, where he's like having this moment where he thinks he likes pepper and all that. And, you know, things are kind of coming together. And, and he, he made this statement. He said, I feel it in my heart. And my kids goes, but what if your heart's lying to you? I was like, yeah, yeah, you got it. You've been paying attention. So Iron Man taught us our heart will lie to us. Be strategic, right? Think this stuff through. They'll sniff out a Bible study, tune out on you, right? I'm not telling you Bible study is bad by all means. Don't neglect it. But there's sneaky ways to do it too. Be crafty. And some of them are sitting in the back going, no, I know what you were doing. I'm not, I'm not going to watch that movie ever again. And so, yeah. Diligently teach them these truths. So, what do we do with these truths? What do we do with them? What are we supposed to do with them? Well, we have had, and we try to operate by a vision for our children's ministry called Radical Kids. And it's three statements. You're going to recognize them because they smell an awful lot like the core of our church. If you've been through membership class, you know these three components. There's three ought to tip you off. There's three of them. If I hadn't been through membership class, well, there's going to be one coming up, not too distant future. You get a chance to go through it if you're interested. There you go. Number one, prime children's hearts for communion with God. We borrowed that from C.S. Lewis, by the way. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, and his stated purpose was to prime children to know God. He wrote those stories to drag children out of naturalism, to lift their eyes from creation to the reality that there's a meta-narrative, there's a larger story dictating their stories. You think, that's big for children's books, I know. And he pulled it off well. So he, he wrote them to prime kids to know that there is a God. And so we took that and we said, prime children for communion with God. We want to prime their hearts. We want them from an early age to be hearing the stories of the Old Testament, stories of the New Testament, doctrine. Right? Church, kingdom, all those glorious things prime their hearts for communion with God. Gospel, 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 gospel. Saturate them with the good news of the kingdom. Number two, prepare children for community with the church. We want them to get used to gathering with the people of God. That's why we do radical. It makes sense. Hey, I'm with you. I like you. We've been together now for ten years. And you, what you notice is kids coming up to radical kids, they hang out together. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Imagine that. That they would be around one another for many years and like, like each other and be friends and hang out. Huh. Imagine that. It works. Right? So they're in class together. They get to know each other and they're friends. And they go to SWO together. They go to Snowbird in the summer and they're friends. And they like hanging out together. And they're like accountable. And they do stuff. They have fun together. So prepare them for community with each other so they get their little radical life. But think this with their little radical life groups. And then they gather in corporate worship. They sit together. Some sitting in the back this morning. Right? They're sitting around in places. They gather together. 
They grow relationships with people who share kingdom DNA, not simply church DNA. And that's different for us. There's a difference between kingdom DNA and church DNA. We start with the kingdom get the church. Start with the church, you might miss the kingdom. And you'll hear that in the next few weeks. This is why we, if you're a three-overs person, you need to be in a radical life group with three-overs people. There's, there's a, this is weird. This is not bad. We're Baptists. I'm sorry. I know we're Southern Baptists. This is not going to sound Southern Baptist. There is a headship covering issue of covenant and Holy Spirit when we're in the same DNA together. The spiritual head, God has made spiritual headship. How do we know? Because in the Trinity, there's subordination. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You see this all in the gospel, right? Jesus said, John 5, 19, I don't do what I want to do. I do what the Father tells me to do. Jesus was submitted to the Father. Does the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do? No, His job is to make Jesus big. He doesn't highlight Himself. So inside the Trinity, equal, distinct, there's submission to, there's headship from the Father. God built spiritual headship into every image bearer. And to get out of spiritual headship with multiple DNAs, because what happens if somebody don't think that's sin and you say it's sin and they're under somebody else's spiritual headship who says it's not sin and they get to get away with it? How do you hold them accountable? I'll give you, I'm not going to go into the gory details, but we've had that situation here. One was in adultery, went to another pastor because they were in another group of people. The other pastor was fine with it. You, and you can't hold them accountable when they just leave you and go to them. Does that make sense? Y'all th- we're not making stuff up. We're not just like, hey, pull this out of the air. You're thinking through this stuff. You need to be with people who have the same kingdom DNA and share the same values so that you're doing life together on the same page, going in the same direction, and your kids learn. By the way, that's called mission and focus. That's living life with a name. Does that make sense? It's living on purpose. Pointing your nose toward the kingdom and walking toward it on purpose. Right? If we do that, our kids will do that. So we prepare them for community. And then third, we equip them for collision with culture. Equip them for collision with culture. We invest in their future global engagement. If you've been here long enough, you've seen a baby dedication. And we give every family a check for $50. Take that money to set aside in a separate account for that kid. Add to it at Christmas. Add to it at birthday. So that by the time they reach appropriate age... An opportunity, their first trip to engage the globe is paid for. Equip them to collide with the fallen culture. We keep the nations in front of them. They do missionary segments in the back. They learn. We do All Saints Day back there, right? If you worked in Radical Kids and All Saints Day, they hear about a missionary or somebody in Christian history who have done this stuff. And we equip them to collide with their culture and with the nations. Prime them for communion with God, prepare them for community, and equip them to collide with culture. That's the radical life lived out in children's ministry. I'm going to wrap up with two quick questions. Number one, how do we seek to implement radical kids? Well, number one, we employ a family equipping model. We want that not just to be working in the lives of the kids, but parents. When you work radical kids, don't, don't disengage. Pay attention to the material. Pay attention to the information. Take the stuff home. Talk about it at dinner. Talk about it when you're riding the car. Have these conversations. We spend a lot of time in cars going to school, back, home, shopping somewhere. We're in the car. Have intentional conversations. So what you learn back there, what you learn in here, have conversations with your kids about. That requires parental involvement. 
as equipping for all parents and all children's together. Children's, that was bad subject verb agreement. Parental involvement is equipping for all parents and all children together. Involvement is required to make the ministry run. We can't run radical kids without mamas and dads. It just doesn't work. There are times we have to cancel classes. It is required. And by the way, let me just say this. You can do it. We've been doing it 13 years. And we're no worse to wear for. It's doable. It's doable. It requires an exchange of priorities. But it's doable. And then we seek to prepare our kids for global engagement. Well, what fruit do we see in radical kids? Well, I want to give you some fruit and we'll wrap up here. And this is just a testament to Tanya's work. She didn't she doesn't know I was going to say that. And so don't look at her and make her feel weird. But this is a testament to Tanya's long and hard labor in radical kids. But the fruit off of that ministry is becoming visible and evident every day. One of the things we notice is the first to volunteer for anything are radical kids, people, and students. You notice that oftentimes, before some guys started taking on making coffee, that there's a little uh, brown-skinned kid back there with the last name Jolly making coffee who was nine. Not because I told him to or asked him to. Hey, he likes to get in stuff he's not supposed to get into. It kind of started as the rebellion. But you kind of have to harness that just a tad. And go, well, hey, he's making coffee. That's not that bad. So why don't you keep making coffee? And it's wonderful. Absolutely. It's good stuff. And so what we notice is the little Addie Jocelyn's jumping up to work the table back here when adults won't. You notice that? You ever notice Addie? How cool is that? Little Addie. She's actually a youth now. She's going to Snowbird for the first time this year as a youth. Gabriel Jolly working in Radical Kids back there. You ever notice that? You ever notice these kids with all of our students engaging and working? You ever notice on some Sunday mornings, little ivory boys, like 50 pounds soaking wet, rolling a stack of chairs? And grown men standing up there drinking coffee. How are you doing? Good job, ivory kid. And I'm like, dude, grab the... He's about to get crushed. Go grab the chairs, man. Right? And these little boys... That, that's fruit off of what's happening back there. That's awesome. That's fun. Listen, what you invest in is what your kids will do, and it's what they're going to be. Here's a little graphic I put down for you here. And if you can't, you can't see it, it won't show up on the blog. And if you want it, email me, I'll send it to you. It's a snapshot at the NFL Combine. NFL scouting combine. Anybody know what that is? It's where NCAA college football players get a chance to go and put their skills on display for NFL teams. And they're scouting. I mean, they're taking their body measurements. They're 40 times. Like they're, you know, cone drills, all this 40-yard dash. Listen to this for just a second. Because here, here's the phenomena in student culture right now. Travel ball. Year-round sports. Thousands of dollars invested in travel ball, year-round sports, with this, with this weird idea that my kid's going to be a superstar. Let me throw some stats on you. You ready? In America, there are 1,086,627 high school football players. 
In the NCAA, there are 70,147 football players. That's not a lot compared to over a million high school football players. The percentage of high school players that make it to the NCAA is 6.5%. Players actually scouted by the NFL, 6,500. There's a million, over a million, thinking they're going to get in. 350 are invited to the Combine. I mean, 350 yearly out of 1,086,000? Yep. Players actually drafted by the NFL every year is 256. The percentage of players in the NCAA to actually make it in the NFL, here's your percentage to take home, 1.6%. Number of NFL players reaching year four. You ready? 150 make it to year four. The NFL minimum salary is $420,000. And you know what their income tax is? $252,000. If you're lucky to be one of the 6.5% to become an NCAA football player and one of the 1.5% of that group that make the NFL, you'll be lucky to get three years out of it. This is actually on the sign. I'm reading it verbatim. This is at the Combine. At a minimum salary, you won't make enough to live on for the rest of your life. What it's going to provide for you and your family after football's over? Your college education. In other words, don't bank on being an athlete. And right now the phenomena is invest thousands of dollars in my kid being awesome. And they're going to graduate high school with knee problems, shoulder problems, and wonder what I'm supposed to do in my stinking life. I need some physical therapists in the room that can tell you from some of their work that year-round playing of the same sport is leading to multiple injuries in that sport and they're discovering it's actually not good for you. And by the way, there's this little thing in here called the Sabbath. And there's even this little thing in here that says for the dirt, give it a year off and God will provide for you in that last year enough for you to take that next year off of growing stuff so the dirt can rejuvenate and be ready to grow the year after that. Oh, but we don't believe that. That's... That's Old Testament. (laughs) We don't believe that. Really? And we wonder why our kids are walking away from the church. Listen, what you invest in is what your kids are going to be. That's just the bottom line, church. And so what we have to recognize is that it is of supreme value to invest your kids in radical kids. Listen. It ain't going to do any harm. That's bad English, good theology. It's just not going to do any harm. It will work on repairing the fall. What you invest in is what your kids are going to do and be. I promise you, there's no investment in sports. There's no return on that, y'all. It's just not. And you're talking to a guy who, like, I love that stuff. But it should be a small segment of their life. There is no return on that investment. At best, they learn a little bit of leadership. At worst, it sucks the life out of their time. It sucks the life out of home life. They stay up all hours of the night doing homework. They miss because they were off traveling all hours of the night. And then we wonder why they're stressed and then hate that sport later. And don't want to play it anymore. 
what you invest in will determine your return. And I promise you, by the way, Paul told this to Timothy. Physical training is of some value. But godliness has value in this life and the life to come. Which one do we believe? Right? We're going to sacrifice all our time to make sure we work out six days a week or are we spending that much time investing in godliness, fighting sin? What we invest in will determine our return. There ain't no return in those things. There's some value, Paul said, there's some value in physical training. But godliness has return in this life and the life to come. What do we believe? What are we going to teach our children? Is of supreme value. You see, students from radical kids are beginning to infiltrate a growing student ministry. I think we'll take a record number of kids to Snowbird this year. Um, a record number of kids serving in ministries. You know our students have set up one of our rotations. You ever notice it gets set up because students are doing the setup? And they're always here, man. Isn't that cool? That's fruit off of all those years of labor that Tanya put in and training workers and equipping. That's fruit off radical kids. And here's the last thing I'm going to share with you. Here's the last piece of fruit coming off Radical Kids. We've given them 50 bucks, right? And we're starting to see those kids come up through Radical Kids and graduate out into student ministry. And we're going to have, potentially, this summer, the first time for our Radical Kids to take that $50 that hopefully we've been adding money to for a while and use that money to engage in a global work. We have a couple that left our church several, 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 several years ago, and they work in a country that I'm comfortable taking my boys to. And Lord willing, I will take my oldest this summer there. And that couple requested, they're Three Rivers people. They just don't work in our particular country. They work in another country. And so we give them some financial support, but they're not our primary target because we're focused on one people group and one work. And so they said, hey, you know what's awesome and will be needed is we're the only believers in our town. Only Christians. It'd be really cool if some of you guys would come over here some in the summer and just walk the streets and pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. Would you please do that? And I'm like, how do you say no to that? No, we don't believe in that. Man, you stay over here and languish away. No, you're like, yes, we'll figure it out. We will figure it out. Yes, 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 yes. And you know what, what, what would be really cool? Because it's a place we could take our students. How cool would it be if a couple parents, a couple students walked the streets of this city for four days praying for the Lord of harvest to send laborers? And we see for the first time radical kids, graduates, taking that investment of $50, paying global dividends. That fires me up. That makes me want to like go way charismatic and start shouting and doing crazy stuff. Because that is kingdom-like fruit, y'all. That's what radical kids is doing. That's what radical kids is doing. So if you're a mama and a dad and you work in radical kids, don't fret. Stay the course. The fruit is good. If you... Not a parent. You're not working radical kids. You think, geez, that's a cool ministry. I'd like to be part of it. Ben's sitting back there in the back. Tanya handed the baton to Ben, uh, and, and he's been running with that. He's got the green shirt on in the back. Big guy that can beat all of us up. And so see Ben, and lest he beat you up. Just kidding. He wouldn't do that to you. But see Ben, and you can get involved in the work. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap. You will reap if you do not give up. So parents, keep going. Keep plugging away. The fruit is good. The labor is worth it. And this ministry is worth it. Right? Let's pray and give God the glory for what He's doing as we worship. Father, we pray today that You would do a great, great work um, in the lives of our students. Um, You already are. We ask You to continue that work this morning.
I'm going to pray for teachers back there in the back this morning that you would give them infinite patience and that you would uh, give them love and the, the, and the, the effervescence of Jesus, that they would be attracted to those men and women and, and uh, want to taste the work of the kingdom in their lives. We pray for those little ones from little, little bitty babies all the way up to about to graduate, that you would speak to their hearts and that you would do a work in their life, that you would draw them forth from death to life and transfer them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your Son. We pray for fruit, long-lasting fruit, that there will be healing in the wounds of their hearts and that there would be mobilization to the nations. We pray that they would love your glory, love your people, and love the nations. We pray, God, that you would mobilize from this fellowship the fruit of radical kids to touch unreached people groups for the sake of the kingdom. We pray, Father, that you would as give us as parents the ability to release and let go, that they might engage those, those domains even where it's not safe. May we not stand in the way of gospel work because we have a value that's not of your kingdom. We pray, God, that you would accomplish all these great things, uh, and that you would do it, that, Lord of the harvest, you would raise up laborers from this little fellowship and touch the world with them. We know you want to do that. We believe you're already doing it. You have done it. You're doing it now, and you're going to continue to do it. So we submit it to you, and we ask that all these things you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.